It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Touchdown, Los Angeles. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now my whole team here. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, not a whole team. Rams Nation, what's happening? What's good? It's your boy, Bear Motter of Rams Podcast, but this is Lockdown Rams. It's the Thursday edition of Lockdown Rams, and we've got Derek C. Apollo with us from Rams Talk Radio. Derek, it's been a couple weeks. How you been, my man? Doing well. So getting over all the fun from last weekend. And fun is, I mean, drama. <laughs> trade, <laughs> trade, trade. Trade, trade. It was just, oh my goodness. Exactly, exactly. And I, I want to get to that. I want to get to your thoughts on that. Um, before we do, want to make sure everyone go give Derek a follow at DC Apollo on Twitter. You can find me at LA underscore Rambling Bear, as well as Lockdown Rams, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that. As well as you can find us on the new streaming app, Himalaya. Go hit that up, download it, check it out. You can find all of our podcasts on there from the Lockdown Podcast Network. Uh, as well as uh, Derek said last time, his he's up there as well. So go check him out um, for Rams Talk Radio on Himalaya. So with you know, kind of getting into it, you talked about trade back, trade back, trade back, a couple trade forwards. But overall, how'd you feel about that draft? Was it frustrating watching, or did you understand the process and you were okay with it? Oh, a little bit of both. I just looked at that draft and go, we we'll just take a make a pick already for a love all that's good and holy. I can't tell you how many times. We had just been sitting there working our way through the picks and getting ready and getting ready and getting ready for a Rams pick, and then they go, ha-ha, joke's on you. We traded on Thursday night. We had actually been online, been airing for an hour and 40 minutes waiting <laughs> for that pick, and we've been analyzing the draft, and we had just been gearing up for it and trade. The next day, I, I played a little smarter. I had say, you know, let's wait until the third round draft pick to start calling the picks live because something tells me they're not done yet. So I'm manning Twitter and I, sure enough, come second round, I have it marked the Rams are on the clock and then a second later you see the Rams Twitter go, we traded. Yeah. <laughs> and I got all these incoming tweets saying, yep, not anymore and people just give me a hard time for it. So it was frustrating. A couple of our guys actually texted me and said, I'm done. I'm going to bed. I'm not watching this anymore. I've had enough. Make a pick already. But in the end, I think when you have gone three years without having a first-round pick now, and then you have to manage a salary cap so closely to try and keep this core together, you have to maneuver on the draft to pick your to pick your places, to pick where you're going to go for these guys that you want and you need. And so I, I understand the methodology. I get it. It's frustrating sometimes because it's the draft's really an event. For them, it's game players. For us, it's an event, and we want to see our team be a part of the event. And uh, so it was just annoying to watch sometimes. No, that's spot on. I mean, for us, it's an event. For them, it is the strategic process of, you know, like Les Snead said over and over again, trying to get as many picks in that top 100. And he did a good job. If that was his goal in this and getting certain players, and it sounds like they were really excited about you know, getting Taylor Rapp was one of their favorites. And then Greg Gaines was another one that pops out in the fourth round that they kind of 
made the whole day about getting him at the start of the day. So uh, as long as they're happy, again, you mentioned it. They haven't done a first-round pick in forever since Jared Goff, and we traded the house to go up and, and get him. So that was a no-brainer when we were up there. But you want to be a part of it, but at the same time, you're very right, man. They're, they're you know got to work with the salary cap, and they're, they've been very good in the third, fourth round. And so maybe that's kind of their niche and, and they know where they're good at and they continue to go there. Uh, as far as me on draft day, it was actually funny. I was sat here just like you was ready for it, kind of glued to the TV, checking out all the different media outlets. And, and obviously we get to our pick, we trade back and it was like, well, that was so anticlimactic by the time we got there. Uh, the second day I had told my girlfriend a while ago, you know, get, tickets to the end game whenever you want we'll go watch the movie well she got it friday at about 6 p.m west west coast time which is right about the time the rams finally after trading back out of the second round took a pick i was walking in the theater checking twitter and i was like well i don't want to turn my phone off i'm gonna turn on vibrate and maybe i'm gonna be that sneaky guy in the movie that everyone hates because i was like on the aisle seat looking at the my phone on like super dim and it just kept vibrating, vibrating. Finally, I get a little nudge from my girlfriend. She's like, you need to turn that off. You're like totally that guy right now. And I'm like, oh, not, not only that guy, but in the end game where everyone's like, people are dressed up and clapping when characters are coming on. I was like, oh, crap. So I I, uh, I did the whole I have to pee thing like two or three times to go out and check Ram's Twitter and see what was going on. But uh, that was the most exciting day. And I was in a three-hour movie, of course. But uh, it was fun to see kind of all the players come together. Uh, I got some connections to University of Washington. My brother graduated from there. So he was texting me and was super excited about uh, Taylor Rapp and Greg Gaines, two guys that he's really high on. Uh, so I'm excited about all that. And kind of as you look at not only just the way that with the trade backs, but if you look at just look at who they picked up, um, you know, have you guys done grades at all yet for, um, you know, Rams talk or have you guys or, or what's your thought, I guess, on the overall group and core that we got? I gave it a B plus overall. I felt like considering they didn't pick again the first round, considering that they really didn't get anyone I could I would consider of star power. They just filled holes, and they did a good job of filling holes. And but they have a lot of faith in their scouting department. They have a lot of faith in their ability to develop guys, and this could go really badly for them if they don't. And that's what kind of keeps me me if they fail, if they bust. So that keeps me forgiving the A because I don't know how well these guys are going to fit because many of them are people who weren't on our radar. Bobby Evans wasn't on anybody's radar right. that we were in terms of our experts. You know, in every year now, we get all these experts out there that make these predictions. We you know about this team is going to this player. This is a fit here and this fit here, and they always fall short. And this is one reason why Rams Talk doesn't really focus as much on the draft as maybe some other sites do. And that's not an attack on anybody else, just because I would rather not be wrong here and have to eat my words later. I like to kind of sit back and watch how things go and try and figure out the after effects. So trying to figure the grade out for this one, B+, plus, just because there's no sure things here. I like what they did, but I don't see anything that's sure. This could be a total bust draft or it could be a total total breakout draft. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think it's one of those drafts where, like you kind of mentioned, I don't think we're going to know right away. I think there's a few guys here. Obviously, Taylor Rapp, I think they're going to find a way to get him in on the defensive side, as well as David Long, just getting him some experience. 
Uh, and we saw injuries in that secondary. So these guys also have opportunity if that happens to kind of step in. Uh, and then Darrell Henderson, I think on the offense side of the ball, I think it's a guy that's going to be really exciting. And hopefully, you know, we can see an impact with, you know, my hopes for him are anywhere around, you know, four or 500 yards and six touchdowns, something like that, where he's not going to come over and, you know, be a, a guy we need to lean on, but something that can really, you hear change the pace back, but the guy that's just giving the ball however you want, whether that's throwing it to him or, you know, those end of rounds that we do, getting him involved. And then everyone else, I think, is just going to develop over a couple of years. And we'll find out really how this draft was in about two or three years as, the, as these players develop. And we start to look, what are we doing with Tlaib? And what are we doing with Peters as far as long term? Are we keeping one? Is one retiring? Are both going to be gone? So, uh, you know, these players will, will make their point at some point. And I think that's kind of, what they even said is in some of their press conferences, like there's no really rush on any of these guys because it's kind of filling in some depth and trying to look future. So uh, I'm with you. I had it right around a B, B, B plus because I, I think the excitement of the long term with these guys and a guy like Greg Gaines, who, um, you know, is just one of those old school, I don't want to say dirty football players, but just one of those, you know, grit and grime guys that uh, you just kind of love that eats up the middle. And I think he's going to be a good uh, fill for what we need as far as the run stopping. But uh, what we're going to do is we're going to step aside. We're going to take our first break. We're going to be right back. Thursday edition Lockdown Rams, Derek and Bear right after this. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now my whole team. Yeah, started from the bottom, now we're here. The Suns rise in Orlando, but their playoff hopes set in the West. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Despite finishing a perfect 8-0 in the NBA bubble, the Phoenix Suns are leaving without a playoff berth. Check out Locked On Suns today for a postmortem on an amazing run by Devin Booker and company. That's all thanks to tiebreakers and a Karis LeVert jumper that rimmed out, giving the Portland Trailblazers a win and a meeting with the Memphis Grizzlies in a play-in series for the Western Conference 8th seed. That begins on Saturday. Beginning today, all of the Locked On NBA playoff teams will be previewing the playoffs with special crossover shows. Scout your team and your opponent on the Locked On Podcast Network. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Locked On Fantasy Football with your Locked On Fantasy Football Edge of the Day. Tight end is a prime position for finding fantasy football sleeper value in 2020. After George Kittle and Travis Kelsey go off the board early, don't worry, you can wait and still get some great return for a starter at the position. The two prime targets both have HH for initials, the Chargers Hunter Henry and the Falcons Hayden Hurst. A healthy Henry can have a monster downfield receiving season for new QB Tyrod Taylor and carries high TD upside. As for Hurst, he's stepping right into the productive spot vacated by Austin Hooper in Atlanta as key support to Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. Trust in Henry a little earlier and Hurst a little later to give you some pleasing tight end one results. Get the edge in your fantasy football league every day by listening to Locked On Fantasy Football on your preferred podcast provider. All right, Rams Nation, we are back Thursday edition. We've got Derek C. Apollo with us from Rams Talk Radio. In fact, 
pretty soon after this, we're jumping over and, we're, and I'm coming on your podcast. I'm pretty excited to come uh, join you and do a recap of the draft. So we'll be talking about this uh, for a while now. But I want to, you know, sticking within this draft, um, you know, was there a favorite player? I know, you know, kind of grading it out and maybe not guys we're going to see typically right away with a ton of action. But, you know, maybe talk to me about your favorite player and, you know, your least favorite pick in this draft. Well, I, I I really like two of them, actually. And the first one being Daryl Henderson. I don't get a lot of the hate I saw for this pick on social media, especially if it's involving any Rams experts or whatever. I like what they did here. It's insurance. It's explosive insurance. You could wind up being the best back of this whole group. So why not get the guy if he's there? And, you know, make sure that you have that, guy in the background could step in when you need him. I, I'm totally cool with that. I don't understand why so many people are critical of that. And then the other guy I really like, I like Bobby Evans a lot, given the pedigree of the Oklahoma system there and how many players from that offensive line continually just flood into the NFL. They've got great coaching. He's a guy who only started one you know one year, but he moved around a bit. I, I like the fact that he's versatile. He's, he's able to learn quickly, and I don't think he's done developing. That's one reason why this could be actually a steal in this draft. We could see a lot coming from Bobby Evans down the line in terms of where he'll be in three, four years on this team because he's nowhere near even developed to where he could be. So I really like those two picks especially, and I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with them. Yeah, Bobby Evans is exciting for you know a reason, a couple things. Like you mentioned, not fully developed yet. He was great in the run blocking, getting down the field, which kind of fits up perfect to the zone running that we do. Uh, he comes from a high pedigree as far as the you know University of Oklahoma and, and the quarterbacks that he's played with and the talent that he's played with. He's got a relationship with the Rams even before this with Cromer. Uh, you know, that would be mentioned that as kind of one of the reasons they had an eye on him was the relationship within the organization. So and, you know, it is just one of those things as we talked about Peters and Tlaib on the defense side of the ball. We all have a pretty good idea that Whitworth, this is going to be the last year. And with drafting a couple O-linemen as well as David Edwards and, you know, having Note Boom in there in the mix, obviously, you know, you're looking at trying to fill a couple spots in the next couple of years. Obviously, we'll see what Note Boom has this next year, but um, you'll have a better idea or a better chance to get a look at these guys to fill them in next year. Or, you know, you have to go back into the draft and, and get some more linemen. So I like it as far as depth as well, because that was something we really needed to take care of. And it kind of hits both those with the same idea. And it's funny, you know, I was really hoping that you were going to hate the Henderson pick because I, I wanted to hear you rant about Henderson. And I'm on the same page as you. I, I'm, I don't get where Rams Twitter and people out there uh, are saying that this is a bad pick and, you know, it's all these thoughts about Gurley and what does that mean? And I really understand we overpaid for Gurley and it's unfortunate with the injury this year. We didn't know that coming into it. Um, McVay talked about, he wanted to get a guy like this last year, but it sounded like a team or two teams snaked up and, and took the guys they were interested in. They wouldn't go into details on that, but uh, this wasn't so much of a Gurley injury thing as much as, you know, it combos into that with the injuries being, Hey, let's take a little bit less load off him. And also, let's give McVay another weapon. I'm so excited about this pick. I, I have really high hopes. I'm almost nervous about how, how high hopes I have uh, for Henderson. But, I, you know, we'll find out once he gets into camp and, you know, how Sean McVay can get creative with him. But I just think it's another 
piece in that arsenal for McVay to kind of let loose. Looking at the draft, was there someone that you looked at and go, I just don't understand that pick? Well, I think you're about to be a little mad at me because my least favorite pick was Greg Gaines. And the reason why is nothing personal on Greg Gaines. I wanted them to address the defensive line sooner. And when they're replacing Ndamukong Sue with Greg Gaines, <laughs> I'm wondering what's going on here. And, you know, to me, he's not going to come in and start right. But they're saying he's going to have a chance at starting. There were some folks who graded Gaines as a sixth, seventh rounder. So the Rams move up to get him, and we're talking like he's going to be this huge contributor. Maybe he will be. Maybe he'll surprise a lot of people. But you just don't replace Ndamukong Sue with great games. You know, there are specific attributes he has that everybody likes. He's going to be better with the run. He's going to do those things. But I'm just wishing they would address defensive line sooner. If they were going to pick in the first round, that's where I want them to go. And then we saw all those guys just fly off the board much sooner than I thought they would. And and they're, they're, they're to me, showed the Rams – we're not as worried about defensive line as I am. Yeah, you know, I'll give you that. I was kind of thinking the Rams were going to come out a little sooner and address the D-line. Obviously, they had, you know, it sounds like coming into this, they had a a plan of how they were going to get to the fourth round and when they were hoping that a guy like Greg Gaines would be there. And when they had that break from day two to three, they were like, well, this is kind of what happen and what we wanted and now we got to go get the guy so i'm really kind of hoping again like what we talked about in the first segment is just kind of trusting in the process of les need and sean mcveigh and and the coaches within the building to evaluate talent the one thing i can say is again i mentioned my brother graduated u-dub watches tons of football he lives out in chicago and he's always staying up super late to watch the west coast games really late and when we got this pick, he was he was really excited. He said, hey, this is one of those guys that you, you don't really know about. And, yeah, he's not going to pop off on uh, at the combine and with his, you know, cone drills and things like that. But he is a – when the ball's on the field and, and it's game time, he is one of those grit grime guys that's going to, you know, take on two blocks, going to chase the ball down, kind of one of those those big fat boys that you're like, how do you have that much energy, man? And, and that's kind of where I'm getting excited about him is kind of – uh, again, like McVeigh said about even, you know, when Taylor Rapp and, and David Longfell was, you know, they didn't test well, but watch the tape. Right. And they got really excited about the tape. And I think that's something where I haven't done enough as far as watching Greg Gaines, but I'm getting excited about people that are kind of, you know, know the player as far as what he was doing up at University of Washington. So um, I like it, though. We got to have something different occasionally. And I thought Henderson would be the one. But, you know, <laughs> if it was Greg Gaines, it's Greg Gaines. I think really with me, I think the only one I'm curious about is uh, David Edwards. Obviously, he's coming off of a, I mean, former quarterback turned tight end, uh, turned O-line, played Wisconsin. They pump out big boys out there. Obviously, we know we've got Havenstein on the roster as well, another Wisconsin guy. But he's coming off a shoulder injury, had kind of a down year. Uh, not sure if he's going to really get to fit in right away, so he's going to be sitting back. Maybe it's a good chance for him to get healthy, but I think I'm really trying to figure out if David Edwards is going to be somewhere that can fit in on this line. But the great thing about the Rams is they like to cross-train all their guys. Cromer talking about all these linemen coming in are going to play four positions. Uh, If they have a guy that can play center, then you got five. But these guys most likely are going to be guard tackles. Uh, So I do like the versatility there. Uh, But, yeah, overall, I I was actually really happy with this draft. And, you know, knowing that the Rams do really well, 
in the bottom half of the draft or the middle bottom, uh, it felt comfortable with them going out and getting guys uh, at that level. So exciting stuff. What we're going to do is we're actually going to cut this over. We want to get to the NFC West because uh, obviously there were some big movements up top of the NFC West, but I want to talk to you and get your take on what you think this division's really turned into just out of the draft. So we'll step aside. We'll take a couple of words from some of our sponsors. We'll be right back. Thursday edition, Lockdown Rams, Derek and Bear, right after this. All right, Rams Nation, back third segment. We've got Derek C. Apollo with us. I'm your host, Bear Motter. We're breaking it all down, getting reactions from the draft that we just saw, uh, favorites, non-favorites, what we thought about kind of taking uh, running back there and trading up for him, which we both are kind of on the same page there. I'm just excited to see that man play. Uh, but the NFC West had a really good draft as far as playmakers, as far as big names. Obviously, Kyler Murray at number one, followed by Nick Bosa at number two, who I kind of had as my favorite player, uh, player-wise player on the board was Nick Bosa. I thought he was kind of the can't-miss out of the whole group. And then DK Metcalf going to up to Seattle to add to that wide receiver room, which obviously recent news coming out that Baldwin most likely will retire with all the injuries. How do you look at this division now compared to what you did maybe two weeks ago? It really hasn't changed all that much to me. I've already was regarding the 49ers as a real threat. I'm looking at the roster and basically how they're building it is to beat the Rams. That's how they're building the roster right now, especially on defense. They just simply added to that. With Nick Bose coming in, second overall, I've watched him play. I've watched every snap of his career at Ohio State. I know how good he is. But you know, they go down there and Debo Samuel, wide receiver there in the second round, and that's a guy they needed it too in terms of another receiver to come in there and make some moves. So I, if I'm looking at the draft overall and what these teams did, I think the 49ers kind of came out of that thing with a bit of an edge. And, you know, we're talking about Seattle and DK Metcalf. I, I get the excitement there, but I'm going to be honest. I really thought the rest of the rest of the draft was garbage. And I don't I'm not too keen on what they did. Now, last year, their draft from last year looked like garbage too. And they turn that garbage into something cool. So, again, these guys see more on film than we do. I just didn't like it. And the Cardinals, to me, they're the Cardinals. And I'm still kind of bitter how they handle the whole Rosen thing, let alone anything else. I don't see the Cardinals really making the necessary moves in this draft to add real, true, loose skill position players to make things happen soon this is going to be a long-term build for them it's not going to be right away so right now i see the nfc west is really i think the seahawks and the foreigners are starting to close the gap on the rams i really think that way especially since the rams had a couple guys go but right now the rams still have that you know that edge overall yeah, I still see the Rams at the top of this, and obviously their core is a lot stronger than the other three teams, but I really felt that all three teams caught up and closed the gap. I mean, I think really San Fran uh, took the biggest step just because of their free agency and what they did there, uh, getting their starting quarterback yet, which, which we haven't seen more than, what, five games or whatever he, he played last year, so we're still not sure what that is. They added to the offense side of the ball. You mentioned, obviously, Bosa there on the defense 
uh, comboed with their free agency. I think they took a big leap to try to compete with us. Like you said, they're building this team to beat us. You know, if you can come out of the West, then you got a pretty good chance, you know, moving along in the NFC. So that's their first goal. And they're really building that way, like you said. So, um, you know, and then looking at it, though, I really liked Arizona's draft. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about that Rosen fiasco, but, you know, Kyler Murray, number one, is kind of almost like a Russell Wilson 2.0. The only thing that makes me feel good about that is Aaron Donald's basically dominated Russell Wilson as far as stats go. I mean, sacks him all the time, knows how to not over pursue him, has a good way to contain him. Obviously, Russell is still going to make plays, but I like that we got a guy that can play against that style of play, but he's a dangerous player. Uh, then they added a, the cornerback, Byron Murphy, uh, from Michigan, who kind of goes great on the other side of Patrick Peterson, and they're trying to staple down that defense as far as you know trying to take that air attack. And they got a couple wide receivers that I think they needed, obviously. Larry Fitz is, what, 95 now and probably going into his last year. We've said that probably three years in a row. But, um, you know, so they've added there. I think they're, they got a lot better, and they got a lot closer to Seattle. So I think this division went from – you know, kind of a split in half division, two teams, two teams on the bottom to almost three teams near the top and Arizona moving up. But, you know, as we talked about that number one overall pick, uh, did you think that was actually going to happen? And then thoughts on just, you know, drafting Rosen and then turning him around and trading him the next year for a second round pick? I just thought it was really kind of crappy and how the Cardinals did it. I just, I, I, they tried playing this game last minute, trying to see people and thinking, okay, we're not taking Kyler Murphy. Kyler Murphy, we're looking at Nick Bosa and everybody else, but everybody knew. And in the process, you have this guy that you really gave no chance last year. They brought in Sam Bradford to be the guy to give Rosa time to learn the league. They bench Bradford. They play Rosen behind zero offensive line with no real – any kind of semblance of an offense. It reminded me a lot of the middle school offense that you and I are quite familiar with. And right. you, so you had no chance. And then you just give up on the guy. And then they wait and wait and wait and wait and finally get the trade out for him. And then people are upset when he's like, okay, I'm going to I'm, you know, follow these guys on Twitter. They're kind of flipping out on that. They're calling him immature. And it's just like, this is ridiculous. I don't care if you like Rosen or not. I mean, he's not always a likable guy. I'm not a big Rosen fan myself, but you got to handle your business better than that. You are a freaking NFL team, a professional football team that supposedly is a, is a high-class organization, and everything you did and every way you handled this was just Bush League. I mean, just straight up. It's just, just Bush League, and it should have been handled in a much classier way than how the Cardinals handled it, period. So when you say much classier way, would it be just coming out right and being like, hey, we're really open to the quarterback here, not sure what we're going to do, or how, how could they handle it different with that you know prospect up top with Kyler Murray and being really excited and, and falling at the number one pick? How 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 could they have done that differently? Most teams, when they're picking first, they we know days and days and days in advance, and it's already these guys are already working on contracts and so on and so forth. And during that process, you could just said, "Man, listen, we're moving on. We're going to trade you. We'll find the best deal for you." And yet they're playing this game in the media. They're playing this game with with just everybody. Up until the moment the draft pick is done, they even waited until the last second on draft day to put right. Murray's name in. We are, are you serious? 
You should be the one team that doesn't do that because you're first. And you know what you're doing at this point, unless you're making a trade, which you didn't do. But even more, I, I question a lot what's going on with the Cardinal organization because, listen, you're, you need to tell me you just drafted a guy a year ago. A year ago, you spent your – you went and got the 10th overall pick to get this guy, okay? You use that pick on him. You invest all this capital in him. You made all kinds of moves. Your coaching staff sucked. Your offensive plan sucks. And all of a sudden, a year later, you're giving up on him by hiring a coach who did jack at the college level and has never done a thing at the pro level. And that's your offensive guy. And you're going to go get a quarterback for him. So the, to me, the entire process for the Cardinals was messed up from the start. I question the entire hiring of Kingsbury. I question the entire hiring of everything going along with where the Cardinals are now. And it's going to be a really showing season for them then. You know, obviously, you're not the only one that feels this. this is why I wanted to kind of dig a little bit deeper and, and hear your thoughts on it because you know, you're getting a lot of people that have – Similar thoughts there as far as, you know, the way they handled it. And it's going to be really interesting if, you know, uh, two things happen. One, Kyler Murray comes out and that offense just doesn't translate in this league and in this division. He's got to play us twice, got to play all those teams we were talking about, getting better twice. Or if he gets hurt right away and all of a sudden you have no backup plan now instead of, you know, keeping Rosen or just going with Rosen in general, uh, there's going to be a lot of things to be seen this year as far as how Arizona comes through with that. But the funny thing is they're not the only one And you talked about these, you know, I don't want to say classless organizations, but that kind of flopped on the draft in that obviously you saw the giants, you know, started with trading Odell Beckham and standing in front of everyone for months and months and say, we didn't sign them to trade them. Then they trade them and then they go and, and take Daniel Jones at number six and, and reach at quarterback and, you know, kind of shock everybody there. Uh, sitting behind Eli and the Raiders, you know, sending home all their scouts and picking, uh, you know, reaching on guys at four with Stephen Farrell and and things like that. So there, it's it's interesting as you see these organizations, and it makes you feel really really good, kind of coming back to our organization and seeing you know Les Need and the boys get together and all being on the same page and like you said, having a plan going into it, being really upfront, open about everything, and not kind of playing people around. I mean, when they were cutting people, they, they've cut people, um, you know, with time to be able to sign in the past, you know, even with uh, looking at Robert Quinn, they traded him pretty early in the off season last year, allowing him to get with a team and have everyone kind of, you know, fit in. So uh, they've done everything the right way. It kind of makes you feel good about that. Uh, and then I guess kind of last to kind of wrap up the draft. And this is kind of more back to Rams focus. You know, we talked about, you know, potentially, liking the draft and, and we still feel that we got a, a good players, but was there a spot, you know, in that first round or even second round when we traded back where you saw a guy that you really loved that was sitting on the board and we had a pick and we traded back. Was there anyone that you felt that we missed out on particularly? Oh man, you had to go there. <laughs> there were a lot of players I felt they missed on. I mean, Cody Ford was sitting there. No one expected him to be there at 31 uh, Byron Murphy was sitting there. They had a lot of talented guys that I think could have made a difference on this on this roster that they could have gone after. But on the same token, they valued 
building depth more than looking for stars in this draft. They already have their core of who they have right now that are going to be the stars, and they're looking at the long term, and they have to, because if you want to be a Super Bowl contender in the long term, you have to build that depth and develop players behind these guys. And in today's NFL, you're going to keep people five, six years, and then they're going to go because you can't pay them anymore. You can only keep a few of them. So you have to develop, 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 and you have to maneuver. And I think that's one thing the Rams are learning from one example that, well, nobody likes, and that's the Patriots. The Patriots do this year in and year out. They maneuver. They are willing to let guys go, even though we all want them to stay, you know, in terms of they being fans. They – they play the game and they play it better than anybody else in the league. And I hate to say that because <laughs> I just wish the Patriots would drop off the face of the earth. But as an organization, they do this the right way. If the Rams want to win long-term, 10, 15, 20 years, that's what they have to do. They have to bring in guys they can filter, develop, get compensation for later if they don't stay, so on and so forth, because they can't keep everybody, Period. That's just how it is. Yeah, the New England Patriots, right? They do seem to do almost everything right. I don't want to get into their owner and what he doesn't do right. But on, on the field and in the organization, it seems like they seem to get a lot of things right as far as draft picks. They they were involved in, uh, the I think, them and the Seahawks tied for the most trades on draft day and, and gaining picks. And the Rams traded with them three times, had a good relationship yep. uh, and it, able to us to move around. I will say, and this, this kills me to say it, but... Um, our neighbor here, the the L.A. Chargers, had one heck of a draft, especially at the top. Uh, they picked up two guys that I was really hoping in Jerry Tillery and Asir Adderley uh, that the Rams would hopefully get. And uh, Tillery was taken two or three spots right in front of us, and Asir Adderley was taken literally right in front of Taylor Rapp. And I don't know if uh, we would have gone Adderley at that point, but, I mean, I would have personally. But it, it kills me to give them credit, but they had a pretty good, damn good draft uh, themselves here in Los Angeles. But there was a lot of, I mean, obviously this was deep drafts. So there was a lot of really good winners and, and obviously the the losers on the other side. But a very entertaining draft. And even though we had to wait a little bit longer than everyone else, um, I appreciate, Derek, you coming on and, and talking with us. It's been a couple weeks. I apologize. Been kind of busy and now got you back. So I appreciate that. And I look forward to talking to you uh, on Rams Talk Radio. Guys, make sure to go give him a follow at Talk Rams on Twitter, at DC Apollo, as well as myself, LA underscore Rambling Bear, Lockdown Rams, all accounts. Hit us up. Let us know what you think. Uh, we'll be talking draft a little bit more the rest of the week. We're going to have some guests on. Uh, we're going to do some crossovers with some other Lockdown podcasts and kind of get their thoughts on their draft. And we'll take it from there. Next thing you know, the boys are going to be showing back up for some uh, camp and we'll be getting ready for football. Uh, Derek, thank you so much, man. We appreciate you coming on. No problem. Thanks for having me. All right, Rams Nation, you know what it is. Until next time, peace. I'm on a roll, half a million for a show, and we started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now my whole team. Yeah, started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now the whole team. Yeah, started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now the whole team. Hey, Locked On listeners, you already love our network of NFL shows, so why go anywhere else for the fantasy football information you need to know for the 2020 season? You just need to check out Locked On Fantasy Football, hosted by me, Vinny Iyer. 
We're counting down to the season by breaking down players and teams every day. It's no-nonsense, straight-to-the-point, smart fantasy football analysis that has only two goals in mind, helping you dominate your drafts and win your league championship. That's Locked On Fantasy Football, only on the Locked On Network.